0: Hey everyone, welcome to the single player experience podcast, the perfect place for single player gamers to find out about good single player games to play and the process of making games at times. And, you know, I happen to have here an expert at making games, he is an esteemed guest, I had him on the show once before, and he absolutely blew my mind with his knowledge of all things video games, a really cool guest and a really cool person that I just love talking to about the creation of video games. So, Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is the one, the only, the video game wizard himself, Matt Hatchett. Matt, how are you doing today?
1: Oh, what an intro. I can't live up to that. Oh, thanks so much. Um, I got to say, I've been on a few podcasts in the past, but this is the first time I've ever been invited back. So, thank you what? so much for breaking that streak. <laughs> I don't think it's anything I did. I think it's just a mm-hmm. sometimes
0: it's a one and done kind of situation, but really good to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Man, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. So, what have you been up to lately? What have I been up to? Um, I'm so glad you asked because I've been working on my game called Witchmore, uh, mm-hmm.
1: and I finally have a Steam page, which is why I'm so excited to talk about it. Because previously it was like, oh, well, I wrote a little blog about it or something, but like, having a steam page makes it a little more real. Like mm-hmm. if you're listening to this right now, you can go to store.steamgames.com and then search for Witchmore, which list that game. Oh yeah. for um, sure. Yeah. That's what I've been working on. Um, it's a really cool game. It's about witchcraft. Um, it's a, it's a battle arena or a, or a bullet heaven or whatever you want to call it. Um, you, you wield powerful magic to destroy the undead. And the hook of the game is you can take your little animal friends with you. So you can make a, you can make friends with a ghost cat. You can make friends with the, uh, the, uh, the epitome uh uh all the witchcraft stuff you'd expect like a black cat or an owl like <laughs> those things are going to be in the game as your little like animal companions that fight along with you so that's which more that's been uh, mostly w- what i've been working on outside of like the use you know got a blog got a podcast got a got a youtube all that good stuff
0: you're always like doing something bad you're always doing something you, yeah. you stay busy. busy so but you also did something really cool um a little while ago and that's wrote a book Can you tell people about this book? Oh, thank you so much. Look at that. Look
1: at that. (laughs) Amazing segue here. Yeah. How to make a video game all by yourself. I always keep a copy uh, right by me uh, handy so that I can shove it in front of the camera. But yeah, (laughs) thanks for bringing it up. How to make a video game all by yourself is a book I wrote uh, over a two-year period. Spent a lot of time on it. But the book itself is nice and lean. It's only 200 pages. It's full of illustrations and quotes um, from some of your favorites, developers, and uh, creators over the years. Um, yeah I worked really hard on it it's uh, it's 10 lean chapters and it kind of guides you through making your very first game uh, all by yourself and that includes um, doing everything that you want uh, and as little as you want you know if you want to make all the graphics great it kind of pushes you down that road and if you want to go get some assets online and use those instead and you know if you don't want to write any code if you want to use there's there's all these options these days for game engines you don't have to learn you know C and all these intimidating languages you can learn drag and drop interfaces with stuff like, construct or unreal blueprints um and the book is really flexible it lets you kind of
0: make games however you want so that, that's kind of my pitch for my book that is amazing so you've you have a podcast you have a youtube channel you you're making games you wrote a book what's next i'm, I'm talking about like what is next on the creative sphere you you're gonna do songwriting next <laughs> oh I, I love that question i get that sometimes
1: um Hey, I'm I'll put it out there. I want to make movies someday, you know. Like, I like I, it'll it'll take me a, a long time to get there, and I got a lot of games. Um, I want to make first, but we're gonna see some of that popping up. Like we uh, you've probably heard about um uh uh Friday night at Freddy's. Um mm-hmm. uh, messing up the title. Uh, um, they're they're making movies out of those horror games, right? And like we're gonna see more of that stuff coming up, and like I'm gonna I'm gonna get in there. I love movies, man. How fun would it be to work on a especially a movie based on your game? Like, hey, down the road. Guy's got a dream, right? Maybe uh, maybe someday. I like but that. I would I love like to that. get there. Yeah. I like pretty much like all the cool things in the world that I grew up experiencing, movies, TV, games, like all my favorite things. Yeah, I want I want to take a swing at it. I want to try all those things. Man, that's games really the cool. Focus, but yeah, like why not everything?
0: That's really cool. And who says you can't have it all, man? You can dive in and do a whole bunch of different things in life. Life is way too too big and too vast for you just to like pinch yourself into just a small little hole.
1: Absolutely agree. Yeah. I read the average person and, and who knows, like the world is such a big place. Everybody's different, but like the average person um, switches careers, something like every seven years, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of, um, kind of aligned with, um, with a lot of people I talk to. Um, and that, that's a common thing, you know, is that you, not that you get bored in one industry, but like you get excited about another is more the thing. And a lot of times, you know, you come in fresh, um, you know, I switched from web dev to games and sometimes you bring a fresh perspective. Um, you know like sometimes uh people come from say psychology into game design and they have this really unique angle on it because they know how the human brain works and they can apply that to make really cool games
0: that's really cool so how much research have like you had over the years in like video game creation like you had to like have spent like almost a decade plus in researching all this right Yeah,
1: I'm the kind of person where like my idea of a good time is I'm going to sit on the couch and I'm going to read some game dev articles or like watch some GDC um, (laughs) videos. Yeah, it's kind of like what I do um, when I'm not making games. Um, I have spent a significant amount of time just absorbing all that stuff. I think I've been to GDC nine times and I'm the kind of person who actually like I go to talks, like I go to parties and, and chat with people as well. But I also like to hit the talks and try to absorb as much. Um, information as I can. When I started my um, podcast, Make the Game, um, which is kind of the same thing as my newsletter, one of the first things I posted, it might've been my very first one, but it was like um, how to create a career's worth of knowledge or something, how to gather um, a career's worth of knowledge. And Mm -hmm. um, I, I posted just so many links to all my favorite references, like the GDC Vault, GDC YouTube channel, Game Makers Toolkit, Um, game developer.com is all these places to go and learn how to make games. Um, It really feels like such a rich world to me now, because back in the day there was like one book I had access to like one book, you know what I mean? (laughs) And like the the internet didn't exist and all that. So these days I'm just like, I feel overwhelmed with all these awesome game dev resources.
0: So man, it seems like, like, that's a reflection of like the game industry as a whole like all these resources have become vastly available for everyone just like gaming has become like this multi-billion dollar industry to where like everybody's playing games from like the people who are like close to like two to three years old all the way to people who are 80 years old and above you know it's like everyone's playing games nowadays so yeah. how, do, how does that make you feel as a game developer that there's so many people approaching the medium that whereas like when you were starting the resources for a first time, like that you were scrambling to find like real good sources, you know?
1: Yeah, it's it has been interesting to see um game development kind of finally hit the mainstream because you know, with something like music, it's been kind of um I think democratized is the word people like to use for like now anybody can do it, you know? And it's kind of been that way for a while now where there's really good DAWS, it's a digital audio workstation is um, software you can go download and a lot of times you are literally downloading and using the same software that your favorite mainstream artists use you know and like a lot of times it's top of the line stuff like pro tools um, but sometimes it's like um, some people use GarageBand straight up they use this the same thing that comes free with macbook and they ship songs that you hear later on the radio that makes a million dollars you know so um it's kind of like those tools have been in consumer's hands for a long time and like really anybody can go make music um and it hasn't really been completely true for games until the most recent years it's just like we're just now entering that state right because just about 10 years ago or something i don't remember the exact date but you you as a person couldn't just go publish on steam which was and is now the platform for pc games like if you want to make you know if you want to reach the biggest pc audience you're only Avenue really was Steam for a while. There are maybe other big publishers, right? Um, but you couldn't just get on Steam, and that that was huge, right? Um, you also didn't have access to some of these tools. Like, are you really going to build your own, you know, game from the ground up? Your own game engine, your own huge 3D renderer. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have access to things like Unity. You know, it was relatively new software as far as um, computing goes, and we're kind of spoiled by that now. Um, but it's really cool to see, you know, and like several years ago, Indie Game the movie came out, and that kind of elevated game dev to like, hey, that's a thing people can do and now there's better tools than ever and people can just do it. And, you know, if you look at the scales of how many games are coming out across every platform, Google Play, Apple App Store and Steam, it is, um, it's a hockey stick, right? Mm -hmm. So it is very interesting to see because what happens is the problem changes from how in the world do you make a game to how in the world do you make a living making a game, (laughs) right? Because now I've got this game there's a million other games. So like, how do I find that audience? How does it stand out? Right. Every, and yeah. When anyone can make a game, that's, that's the problem is it's like that noise, that crowd. So mm-hmm. that's the current problem I think indies are, are seeing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I had a interesting question that a listener wrote in a couple of questions actually. And one of them I saw and instantly thought that If that's not a Matt question, I don't know what is at this point (laughs) (laughs) because I'm not a person who's ever made a video game and I'm not really equipped to answer these type of questions. But I happen to know a couple of experts and you are on the top of that list. So, Matt, I got to ask, what makes a good indie game? Because I had a listener write in and the listener, by the way, if you're listening, is Mario Miles. Mario Miles. So, Wrote in and said, What makes a good indie game? How often do you experience an indie game with a standout, unique concept? And with the volume of indies coming out, how do you create a unique concept to actually stand out? So, a lot of questions there. I, you know, like, Great I, questions. yeah, yeah, heavy questions, by the way. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, they, it, gets, it gets pretty deep. Yeah, um, massively heavy questions, but. <laughs> Go ahead, take it away, Matt. (laughs) Great.
1: Yeah, I've got some notes here. Um, These are really good questions and I'll kind of cover them um, one by one. So um, first, what makes a good indie game? And uh, I have multiple tiers of answers for this one. I think the first one is just the easy answer, which is like, you know, indie games can kind of be whatever they want to be. And so uh, a good indie game is just if it makes the, the devs happy, right? Just make a game, put it on itch. There you go. It's good. Can you play it? It's good, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's completely fine. But I think that what we're wanting is some more meat on the bone, right? Like we kind of want a more thorough answer. So um, to me, right? Like they're different to everybody. Some people might want indie games that challenge them or something like that, but this is a list from me. I like to see indie games that are made from uh, a place of passion or interest, right? My favorite ones are the ones where they're a little uncommon. They're a little weird. And the person behind them is like, oh, yes, I've got to make this. I'm so passionate about it. Like, they're, they're really into it. You know what I mean? Those are my favorite ones. Um, I like an indie game that's kind of scrappy is the word that I use. You can kind of tell when indie goes to more like triple I where everything looks really polished. Like, the game looks... Like too much like A or something, it starts to be a little bit of a turnoff for me like the game can be beautiful and a lot of indie games are beautiful and need to be beautiful to find their audiences but I want to see this little scrappy edge to it like one of my favorite examples is probably hotline Miami, I think that it's a game that like doesn't look that good. But the style and the grit and and the filth and the blood, like it's it's a dirty, it, it's gorgeous. And, and, and when you're playing it, it feels so, um, but it's got this kind of scrappy feel to it. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like a AAA game. Um, I think indie games, it's their best when they're unique, which I think everybody kind of wants. Um, that's just my um, personal opinion. When they get a little bit samey, it starts to feel more like AAA. Like go go go. when you go back to a reliable source, it's more of a A move than an indie move. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly for me, I want a game that feels, um, genuine, right? Like sometimes you can kind of tell when someone is making something from a place that's a little cynical, it's maybe a bit of a money grab. And they're like, I'm not really into this. Like you want to see that genuine thing where if someone's making a game about food, it's because they're like a chef and they love food, that kind of a thing. Okay. Um, so, so those that, are
0: before you, before you continue, I, yeah. I'm like, I, th- I love all this and I really do. I just want to kind of like, get your feedback on a couple of things here. Like sure. if you, a lot of things which what you just talked about are stuff that I think like defines an indie game to the, to the core. But mm-hmm. um, what examples in your opinion, what are some good examples mm. of those principles in games? Like, I when you mentioned all those games, I immensely I thought of like Vampire Survivors recently, a game mm-hmm. that's very simple. It's not necessarily a triple A polished game in the sense that it's uh, it's easy on the eyes, but it does have a very cool, unique concept. It feels genuine. It doesn't feel like it's just made just to be a cash grab. You know, it feels mm-hmm. like something that was almost like purely as stupidly simple as possible and it was just something like that it uh i don't know the person who made it but it feels like it was just a passion project that sort of just blew up and then you yeah. also have the games like hades for instance um that that do feel like they're have they do have like some kind of like extra polish to it but it still has that very indie feel when you think about the gameplay of hades and then you have like hollow knight which is an absolutely gorgeous game you have um, steam world dig in in different games like that in your opinion what would you con- consider to be games that are describing what you're talking about right now
1: well my favorite um series is uh, spelunky <laughs> <It's> the spelunky <laughs> series I, I can't help but talk about it but um it's it comes from a place of passion it was something that Derek Ewitt's creator made just in his spare time for free Right, Um, He just loves uh, putting together um, game genres. Um, It was very scrappy. It was made um, all just by, uh, the first version was all just by Derek. Second version was made by just two people. It's got this kind of like, it feels uh, inexpensive. Is that that the right word? Um, Unique. It was, this was, you know, Spunky was one of the first games to ever combine the two genres of roguelike and platformer together. Um, and genuine uh, for sure. Derek, is um, one of these guys who do, who does all the art for his games um, on Splunky Two, is lead artist. So a lot of other people were helping, but you can see it in the art. You know, like it's got the Derek unique kind of look and feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always my go-to example. But like we are so spoiled these days. There's so many indie games. Um, Hyperlight Drifter is one that probably comes up a lot because it's so pretty. Definitely made by passion. You you play that game and you're like. It was not made from a cynical place. It was made by people Mm -hmm. who are really into it and tried as hard as they could to make it look gorgeous. And it's got that scrappy feel. You know what I mean? It it feels like it just hit that finish line and nailed it. It doesn't feel like it it won a million dollars over the finish line or something. You know what I mean? Um, Very unique to this day. You see screenshots from Hyperlight Drifter and you're like, there it is. Um, And the developers. If you go look up the developers behind the game, you'll find that they are, um, from what I've seen, very genuine uh, folks who did a great job. Um, Good question, though. Like, uh, yeah, a lot of these things we talk about, they're kind of kind of up in the clouds, you know, (laughs) Um, and to bring it down with like, what are some actual tangible um, examples? I really like that a lot. Um, But I'll finish up that that good indie game with one final thing, which I think is that this is this is my last tier for like, if you want a simple answer for what a good indie game is, this, I think, is something indie game developers would say a good indie game is one that's able to pay its developers well.
0: Oh, that's and really sometimes.
1: Good. Yeah. From the developer's perspective, you know, sometimes you're like, you're on a team and you're like, yeah, you know, I was hoping we were going to work on an RTS and we're working on a city builder instead. And I'm like, ah, okay, okay. I'll, I'll do it. and It'll be cool. And um, the parts I work on, will be really fun or something. Right. Um, At the end of the day, it's, it's a good solid project. If you're happy enough working on it and it's able to pay you like a good wage. Right. <laughs> and I think a lot of indie game developers will will totally um uh, agree with that.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that thought. I mean, you know, a lot of people just want to live a good lifestyle and live comfortably. I mean, not everyone wants to be millionaires. Of course, all of us wish we could, probably could be in in some sense of form, but like just that pursuit of happiness, you know, that pursuit of something that is that sense of wealth to where you're happy doing the things that you do and you're comfortable enough to where you don't have to worry about where your next meal is coming from. I think absolutely. Uh, yeah, I completely I completely get that. So. That second question, though, Matt, like, how do you experience an indie game or how do you how often do you experience an indie game with a standout unique concept?
1: It's a good question. I think it really depends on where you um, go find your games, right? Because if you are on itch, you are going to just see more unique games popping up for sure because um there's a lot of more experimental games the bar is a lot lower so you'll have people who make a game in the weekend and no one's ever seen anything like this before now they only spent you know 18 hours on it or something so it's not gonna it's not the next skyrim right (laughs) it might not knock your knock your socks off content wise but you might be like whoa i've never seen a mechanic do this before or like wow a grappling hook mechanic that's got this twist that just blew my mind or something um If you go to itch, and especially like if you look at game jams, those are a great place to check out people being um, confronted with limitations, which is one of the best tools for the creative person, right? Because you'll see a game jam, like the low res jam, you have to make a game that fits within a 64 by 64 little square, Mm -hmm. very challenging, but you will see people who will pack that full of stuff, user interface and text and little characters with animations you know, the limitations are what kind of squeezes your creativity and really good stuff pops out. Um, So if you're looking for unique um, game concepts, you will find them on Steam. But a lot of times you'll find that those are the games that have kind of gone through the process and they maybe lean a little less towards unique and a little more towards like a genre staple with like a twist, right? Like like a cherry on top Mm -hmm. instead of a whole brand new different thing that's going to change how you think about games, you know? So it really depends on where you go looking for games.
0: I agree. Um, just speaking as someone who plays a lot of the games just for the podcast and social class, I I'm right there with you. I see a lot of games to where I'm like, I, I think that they have a unique concept, but it's a well-worn concept in the sense that where it's like I've seen aspects of it in other games, but this one just does it in a slightly different manner to where it kind of feels unique, but it's not necessarily like a revolutionary gameplay mechanic, so to speak, like yeah. I played a game called um, Brook the Investigator. It's a uh, point and click adventure game, uh, point and click mystery game where you also play as an alligator who's a investigator. Um, and you also have like, it's a point and click game. So just point and, it's very simple. You kind of understand it. You can picture in your head, you're going around looking for clues in a very point and click like way. But the game flips itself on the head because like, you know, like at different points in the game, you can turn into it turns into a beat em up. And I don't quite know. I can't remember the last time I've ever seen that combination if I ever have before. So it's taking two things that I've played a lot of, but it's combining them. And I've never quite seen that combination before. Mm. So I, I think I think that's uh that's an aspect to where I'm like, that's unique, but it's unique using well-worn materials, you know. Yeah, and that's and what.
1: Yeah, what indie developers are able to do these days is there's um, there's all these tools that have the data, like Steam DB and VG Insights, mm-hmm. and what you can do is you can go look up a genre, right? Say like um, uh, the point-and-click hook like you were talking about. And you look up another genre, like like the beaten ups you were talking about, right? And then you can look at the data and see if there is an overlap between like, wow, you know, 80% of the fans who like point and click like beat em ups. I'm, I'm sure that's not what the number is, but you, <laughs> you could find whatever that number is. And what that can do is point you in a direction where you could say, hey, you know, um, fans of this game are going to love this game if I combine these two genres, right? And it can also tell you like, hey, I had this idea for, a, you know, what about a side scrolling platformer meets chess or something weird like that. <laughs> You can go look that up and be like, nope, the data's not there. No one's going to want to play that game. I can just not make that game and go to one of my different um, game ideas. But I love that these days, you know, we didn't used to have that data. We used to have these tools. It didn't used to be that many games on Steam, so we could actually get meaningful data um, out of it. But these days we can go and check and we can kind of almost, based on what people are
0: playing, we can almost see what people want to play next based on the data. So does that data, you know, I, I will get back to your question a little bit, Mario, in, but like, does that data kind of like propel you to want to change your vision of a project to like, you, you see like, at least like 65% of the market loves playing roguelikes or, you know, like 65% loves playing right now souls games are all the rage right now. Does that data like influence you to where you're like, man, I really have to Sort of think about that when I'm creating a, a game going forward.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the kind of thing that um like a big game studio looks more at, right? Because they've got this huge investment. They're like, look, we're gonna spend a hundred million dollars on this next game when you look at the tools and all the cost of salary and hardware and all this stuff, right? Um, and, and they need to know that the players are gonna be there, kind of right. So they'll do more market research up front, they'll do more vetting of game ideas. Where indies, um, and this is I'm generalizing here. This is unfair, mm-hmm. but like indies in general will kind of lean more towards like this is a passion project. Or you know I think about this a lot. A lot of a lot of people create with their gut. They're like in my gut, I just know people are gonna love a game where uh, you're a bat and you fly around, and you drop bombs on villages <laughs> or something, something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they just build it, and they just like they can see it so clearly, they know it's gonna be successful. And you know you're rolling the dice, right? You don't know for sure. Uh, the audience might not be there. It might be a terrible idea. But, you know, I I have a hard time with this because I think it's a beautiful thing just to be inspired. Like, where do these ideas come from? They just, oh, they just arrive. And when we create these cool things and that's what gets us out of bed in the morning. And the sad thing is not all those ideas are great and not all of them are going to make any money. But I still think it's it's cool to see these things these ideas come out of nowhere. And I, I want to see some of those go to, all the way to the finish line, even if it's not going to be the most marketable game in the world. You know what I mean? I think, I think there's mm-hmm. room around for everything, but yeah, the, the bottom line is like, if you have a game concept, you can go and check and see, like I'm going to be doing this very soon for my game, Witchmore. more um, it's called a, uh, a steam competitive analysis, but I'll be going and compiling the data from about a hundred games that are sort of in the genre, the look and the feel and the quality level of my game and I can see how those games uh, did, how they performed, uh, what were sales were like, and in a six month or a year long period or so, compile all that up, um, compare my game to that game, and then I can kind of get a feel for how my game is going to perform or not. And I can see how much money I'm going to lose. It's going okay. <laughs> to
0: <laughs> I like that. I like that. It's not, you know, like there is a sort of balance between creativity and analytics that, and as much as we would like to say, like, we would love to follow our dreams and follow our passions and follow like our gut on what we should make. You know, there is a very real analytical side that most people need to consider in order to be at least marginally successful in game development. And it's one of those things to where like, it's, you know, a necessary evil to, you know, term it in a, in a very, I guess you say pessimistic sort of way, but like it is it's one of those things to where it's just the natural state of of like game development and where we're at currently in life, you know? Yeah,
1: there are some game developers who side very much on the side of like, look, you need to make a living and mm-hmm. they exist there happily because there is always room in the marketable, you know, space of like this game's going to make money. There's room in there to be super creative and to make everybody happy. There always is. There's some concept that's going to make every developer happy and make them money. They just don't know what it is, right? They just can't find something. Um, And that's a struggle. I I struggle with that myself a lot because I'm the kind of person who like, I kind of get more inspired. And I'm like, I want to make what I want to make you know, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not there's going to be a market for it. But like, I can't afford to do that. I am not a wealthy person. I have <laughs> bills to pay. I've got hungry dogs to feed, you know, like I need to go and see if there's actually going to be an audience there. So I'm somewhere in the middle, but these days I'm leaning a little more towards the marketing side just because um, I'm leaning more on the business stuff and I kind of have to, but I'm I'm keeping the creativity in there. Like games you see for me are hand-drawn. Like I draw everything <laughs> myself and it's all characters that come out of my brain. It's like icky, undead, gross, bloody bone monsters crawling out of the woods like I still get to kind of scratch my itch but at the same time I have a little more hope that the game could actually pay for its development
0: you know yeah I get that completely so and this is kind of like advice you give a lot of people in the book as well you know like uh, as far as like the mindset that you need to have while while creating a game and uh, the the creativity meets the realism of like the world we live in as well so everyone um he created a book by the way and the book is called I love this. How to make a video <laughs> game all by yourself? Please do check it out. You know
1: it's paperback, right? Like, yeah. it's, how cool is that? It's a, it's this cute little orange book. It's only 200 pages. It's like 15 bucks. You know, get some get some pocket change. Throw it throw it at the throw to Amazon. Get yourself a cute little book and uh, help me pay my bills.
0: It's so small, man. <laughs> it's so small. You can legitimately. You don't have any space that it takes up in your in your luggage if you're traveling and everything like that. You just want to read up while you're on a plane. That's perfect right. it's a little size for that. So Absolutely. everyone, just go check out this book. It's amazing. I love so, it. I gotta I gotta cue you up. I, I gotta a perfect. Yeah, I love I love it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you're my wingman. This is awesome. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs>
0: But um, let's pivot into some back to the Mario's question a little bit. I want to talk to you about the the next phase of his questions because he said, "With the volume of indies coming out, how do you create a unique concept to stand out?" And I think that's an interesting question. I mean, a lot of people do create with their gut, so they initially have like a dream or they have a thought, and they're like, "This is it." And then there's other people that do market research, like you're referring to, and then there's People who kind of like start something and then that game becomes a completely different thing, like months and years after development. What do you think that process is like?
1: Yeah, so it's about indie games wanting to stick out.
0: Right? Yeah, for sure.
1: So there's various ways to do that. Um, and one of the ways I like to start is with how not to do that because we see so many examples of this, right? Right um hundreds of indie games are coming out where they're just like you know when you when it boils down right uh, right down to it it's like it's castlevania or look mm-hmm. it's Mega Man, and and like what is it that's different about this game and it's like uh this one has swords and you're like <laughs> right like that's not mm-hmm. gonna cut it you know what i mean oh this one has procedurally generated worlds or maps or whatever okay that was cool 10 or 20 years ago like that's no longer unique right so there's various approaches you can take um, to help your game stand out. One way is like a mashup. We kind of talked about this already, like a, like the two genres, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, deck builders are very popular right now. And from the um, what I'm seeing from marketing, uh, game dev marketing, Twitter and stuff like that, um, deck builders are very profitable at the moment. And what's interesting about deck builders is they haven't thoroughly been saturated yet, really. So like um, deck builders are ripe for like, has there been a deck builder RTS? I don't know. Has there been a deck builder chess game, a deck builder turn-based strategy, a deck builder fighting game? I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there for um, for mashups. Um, another way is like a, a genre twist. Um, say, like, um, you're the villain is a, is a popular one. Um, a common thing when, like, you know, you're always the the good person. You're going to go mm-hmm. save the, the castle, right? Now you're going to go destroy the castle. Um, one of my personal favorites, um, this is a really untapped Um, approach to making your game stand out is I call it the animal fantasy and so the animal fantasy we first saw I mean we've been seeing it for a long time but um, some recent popular games uh, goat simulator is a great one Um, untitled goose game (laughs) Um, there's one where you play as a loaf of bread like it doesn't even have to be an animal fantasy but like the sky's the limit for like is there a game um, where you can just play as a butterfly and go and you know do whatever butterflies do is there a mm-hmm. game where you're a bee and your job is just to pollinate flowers and come back and build your little hive and stuff like um there was a game called uh, webbed huge uh hit of an indie game and you're just a cute little spider that's kind of the whole concept of the <laughs> game webbed it's a side-scrolling platformer pixelated graphics and you just you shoot your cute little spider around and you th- there, like, there's plenty of room right now for like almost picking an animals there a game penguin simulator i could go down the list that's th- all the thousands the entire animal kingdom unscratched surface pick an animal and be like this oh what was the one what was a cat one stray oh, stray great mm-hmm. huge mm-hmm. hit of a game literally the game is you're a cat <laughs> I, you don't even that's have the- to try to find a game hook that'll stick out and real like people were like excuse me you're mm-hmm. a cat that came out of the wood where everybody bought that game okay um another one is a uh, specificity i love this one very specific things we're getting enough games in the world now that you know it's no longer enough to be like it's a world war ii shooter no we need to get more specific i want to see like you're a world war ii chimney sweep or something <laughs> like that specificity you're not just making pottery you're making like this is a mug like a pottery mug game all you're doing is making mugs um power washing there, there was a power wash simulator I don't, Probably, I don't, you
0: got it right there power yeah, wash simulator hit,
1: hit game right and it's just i mean what a no-brainer what What a satisfying like my wife and i watch tv shows and they're like they're doing the uh the power washing to like blast the rust off of an old mm-hmm. car or something and we're like yeah i want to do that <laughs> it looks so satisfying you know that's a big one um and then i'll end this list up with um how to make your game stand out my personal favorite i don't get to play with this one enough but i want to scale scale is my personal favorite one because okay you and i we're talking we're having a nice normal chat right Mm -hmm. if i was suddenly 10 feet tall you would want to address that
0: right oh instantly i'd have so many questions (laughs) i'd have so many questions how did you get two feet tall how long have you been a giant hey can you shrink back down i'm like great questions Do you, like is it the movie giant to where like the movie type of giant to where like when you get big you for some dumb reason you still slow down and move at the at like one-fourth speed i'd have so many questions Ooh. for you yeah, yeah exactly right yeah and that's not even that much scale what if i was 100 mm-hmm. feet tall
1: what if there were a thousand of me in this room right now what if i were an inch tall and, and this yeah. scale what if your room was 100 times bigger what if guns were three times as large what if everybody had giant swords you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. scale is something. And what I love about these little um these little mashup and the genre twist in the animal fantasy, you can go almost to any game that like one you can go pick up one of your favorite games. Borderlands, um, but you're writing a pterodactyl. That's off the top of my head. I want to play that right now. You know what I mean? Uh, you take any game, yeah, twist the scale, twist the animal fantasy, twist some specificity or something. You
0: got a unique brand new game, sky's the limit. I'd check that out. Like, no kidding. i checked check that out. I was like, honestly, I'd play about that. I'm like, I'd play that. At least give it at least an hour or two.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The latest Mario game, but you're Godzilla-sized. I'd play that. You want to yeah. crush your city as, as Mario? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now I do. I didn't even know that was a thing a second ago. But now I want to play that.
0: Yeah. I'm down for that. and Like, I, you know, I recently went to PAX um, East and there are a lot of games there that I didn't necessarily know existed. And a lot of those are just like you talked about. They're games that have a unique concept. They, they scale appropriately or like they just do something that's very weird enough to where you're like, I've never played anything like that. Or like I played one where it is basically it's Castlevania, except you're playing as Dracula. But like the whole premise of the game is like, Instead of you trying to beat the bosses, you're getting to the bosses, and you're getting to the bosses who have put a whole bunch of obstacles in front of you in order to see if you're worthy of dating them. Oh, I love it! It is love it. it. I've never seen anything quite like it, and I was just like, it's such a unique concept to where like it takes something that's a well known aspect and it just flips it on its head and makes it it's it's basically castlevania meets the bachelor in 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 a sense and i'm like i'm right there with it and it fits is like vampires have always been like 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 glorified sexual kind of creatures in our in mythology and such like that so it's like it fits one v one and i'm it makes you think to yourself i'm like why hasn't anyone thought of this before you know oh those are the best ideas there
1: you came up right right there that's the bar Mm-hmm. That's the bar, and like sometimes you go and you check, and you're like, "Oh, there's three games like this already." And you know you got to yeah. do your research or whatever. But you're right that that's that's the bar right there. If you're like, "Okay, it sounds fun. I want to play it. This is genius, and no one's ever made it before." There's your game. Yeah, right. Like that. That's unique. That's that's your uh, that's your that's your that's your measurement to see
0: if it's a good idea or not. I love it. That. Really is because I'm like, I legitimately I was walking by, walking by, and I was just like, "Oh, it's kind of like Persona, where you're kind of like talking, and you're kind of like trying to figure out someone's." Love languages or like their interests and such like that. And then it just like two more minutes later, they were back to fighting in a Castlevania like environment. I was like, oh, that's not Persona at all. I was like, wait, is this Persona meets like Castlevania? Oh, sign me up for this. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm I'm adding that to my list yeah Brilliant. i'm adding okay
1: romance that's a whole nother and what i love about these these, like again the romance you could apply that to any game mario mm-hmm. brothers but with romance like you know like oh you go and you save uh peach or the princess or whatever at the end right mm-hmm. what if that was just the beginning of the game yeah Yo, oh, fast amazing. enough i'm not dating you when you're like oh man i gotta go save someone else now or something yeah. right yeah genius i love that just twit. um boyfriend dun- uh dungeon boyfriend yeah, dungeon. for sure you might think about a lot right because it has that same kind of um you're dating your weapons and it's like mm-hmm. we're just taking a dungeon crawler you've played Dun- diablo you know pick your favorite dungeon crawler it's that but your sword is like a, a hot person that you want to date it's it's such a funny unique like i'll never forget boyfriend dungeon i don't think i've even played it matt come on i don't think i have but i will do it's it good. someday i'll never it's forget good. the game i'll keep mm-hmm. talking about it I, i'm like ai am a fan in that way i'll just i keep telling everybody about it because it's such a
0: unique hook yeah it really is like I I played like tons of games like that at PAX to where I'm like, oh, I've never quite seen that before. Like someone did, um, Mario, uh, like the Mario, um, like the sports games, and they just put it in a hockey setting, something I had never seen before, and mm. they just like they took all the same concepts of a mario game put it in a hockey setting and they added a a story mode that evolves as your like player sorts of like so it's an rpg in the sense to where you can customize what your players abilities are going to be so like you have mm. to be mentored by someone to gain the fire ability or like the ice ability and i'm like oh, cool i was just like but it still has that pickup and playness of a mario kind of sports game like just like mario strikers or mario golf you know yeah and i was just like oh that's that's different i like that i like that rpg meets a a mario sports game we are we are solving
1: problems right here i'm adding another one here sports um i saw a game it was like golf story i want to say it was so good it is so good i haven't had a chance to play it yet but uh, oh well you you can maybe tell me about is this right where it's like um an overworld you can explore almost like an action
0: rpg but instead of ever going into combat you go into play golf is that right you nailed it that's the whole premise entirely basically yeah it is amazing and it's simple, fun, simple, a stupid, like just a concept that everyone you thought would have like done millions and millions of times by now. And I can't think of like three games like it on the market right now. And it's fun. It's just they nailed the mechanics. The The golfing feels good. It doesn't look like the best golf game in the world. But right now, no game, no golf game really looks like pristine anyway. So it's. It's one of those things to where I'm like, that is a concept that I can get behind, and I. They have another game called Sports Story that wasn't quite as good as Golf Story, but Golf Story is really good though. Was Sports Story like a bunch of a different
1: sports yeah, mixed up that? Sure. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it was stretched too thin, like too many sports, and none of them were really yeah concentrated uh, on and that good.
0: Yeah. What was the what's the restaurant where like the what is that restaurant where they do a whole bunch of different genres? The Cheesecake Factory. It is very much
1: say, yeah.
0: yes, it's exactly. the biggest
1: menu you ever see in your
0: life. Exactly. Exactly. It was like the Cheesecake Factory of like indie sports games. Kind of. Yeah. That's that's basically how it Like it is. you'll never decide.
1: Being. It's like, what, what yeah. do you want? You want Chinese or pizza or mm-hmm. do you want tacos or just a giant cheesecake? Like they have pretty much anything you can imagine. You're like, well, I got to read like I need my reading glasses and give me half an hour to read this book.
0: Exactly, exactly. And then when I'm at the Cheesecake Factory, like the very few times that I go, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, how often does a cook prepare this one meal? Like, does he get this like maybe once every two months or so? If so, is it going to be really good if he hasn't prepared it for, for a long time? You know what I mean? I'm yeah. Like, They're yes. like, what
1: what they order? I've never heard of that. We, we sell
0: that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to make that. Exactly. Exactly. So he's over there scrolling through his phone and such like that trying to remember the recipe for that particular item. So no, it's like sports story. feels like that. And it's not to throw shade on that game to have, well, at least too much shade on it. But like that's the way it feels compared to like Golf Story, where it's a very narrowed focus game to where like they they took something and actually and like they had a vision, took something and made it extremely well polished. And they were like, it feels good. It feels like a real golf game. So I, I would I would definitely, you know, call that one of those games to where I'm like, I can definitely see. If someone took aspects of sports story and made it into like a, a roguelike, I'm like, sign me up for it. That's that's something I'm, I'm there day one for.
1: There's an indie developer listening right now taking notes. Yeah, right? exactly. You might, you might in a few years, you might see that game pop up and it would probably uh, do very well. I love that tweak. I think that that's a great lesson is it doesn't take a huge tweak. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. like, you know, if it's all sports, here's an example where that's, that's maybe too much. Like your unique concept to make your game stick out can be very simple. It can just be golf. It doesn't have to be like football and sports and everything. No. Like, like simple, simple. And there's like combining things that people already like. I love that. Right. It's almost like another scoop of ice cream on top of your, uh, ice cream is <laughs> cone. like and it's another it's a scoop of flavor that you like. So it's not something like, oh, why'd you put that on there? You know, mm-hmm. it's this great like combination that makes the, the whole better, you know, than the like
0: swirl, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly
1: right. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. This is great.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So like I on the flip side of though, there is like there is a level of familiarity with when you like. When you as a developer, and I'm guessing because I've never de- like developed a game, but like you as a player, when you encounter a game that feels very much like a game you played before, but it-, it has just a unique twist enough to where it feels like a different concept, but it's so familiar to where you, when you describe it, you can say like, oh, this is like this game, but with this little twist, but it's still very much like a light version of that game. And you see games like that have success still, you know, like it's, there's a balance, I guess, or there's like a weird like formula to, to where, when you get something exactly right, even though it's quote unquote, and I'm being like, you know, loose with this term, but like, even though it feels like a copy, you know, it still has success, you know?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, What's happened is like back in the day, it used to be you could kind of make almost any kind of a game because most everything was new because there weren't that many games, right? These days, that's less true. And there's also um, basically the discovery queue and the way people find games. It was really inevitable, but it has impacted the way people design games. And so say you find a hit game like Cult of the Lamb. You go to Steam store page, the game's made $60 million or something um, and a lot of people have played it to death and they're ready for the next thing. Right. So you go down and there's that little um widget more like this. Mm-hmm. Um, that is money. If you're talking about a hit game like a call of duty or an undertale or a Minecraft or something, that little piece of web page, that little real estate there, I wish you could see the dollar signs flying out of that widget. <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. if you make a game where you're like, okay, it's, it's not really like Minecraft. It's it's like, a, it's a whole different thing. You know, yeah, it's got some similarities with Minecraft, but I don't like to talk about that. I like to talk about other stuff. And so you lose that connection because if you mm-hmm. go to the Minecraft page, you go to the bottom and you see your game in that list, like the closer you are to Minecraft, you kind of bathe in its warmth. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, sure. Another analogy I like to use is, you know, you got this giant whale swimming by and you get those little uh, those little fish that those little sucker fish that stick to the bottom of a big mm-hmm. shark or something, you know, and they just feed off the little niblets. <clears throat> that is a completely legit, That that is the business strategy for a lot of indie game developers where they're like, there was this huge mammoth hit of a game. We're going to come in after it and we're going to make a game that's kind of similar. But, and that's the thing, you're, you're completely right about the balance. Like, if it's mm-hmm. too similar, players are like, why would I buy that? I've already got, you know, I've already got Undertale. This is basically just, you just ripped off Undertale. Like, I saw one game where it was like, it was like Cuphead, but worse. That's an inevitable yeah. thing. Like if you're trying, like, okay, yeah, there's not that many games that have that gorgeous, you know, heavily animated, beautiful art style um, with the, with the rubber arms and that, that classic look and feel. So yeah, it kind of feels like there's a big gap in the market and maybe there is, but when you chase Cuphead, Cuphead is such a bar. It's such a huge, like you're gonna like, oh, and you're gonna like not hit it. You know yeah. what I mean? And some people might be like, hey, this is just Cuphead. But worse kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. you gotta be different. You gotta change enough to be memorable. You like the theme you gotta change, or the things we talked about, change the scale, add sports or specificity or something, right? Um, so yeah, it's this it's this tightrope you gotta walk. If if it's if it's too similar, players hate that and and they won't want to buy it. And if it's too different, then you won't make it into that. Like steam won't compare it, and people who talk about the game won't be like, oh, you know, you just finished uh Dead Cells. Well, you gotta check out bam like that's where you want your game to be you don't want it to be like oh well this is like dead cells but i don't know if you'd like it because it's a little too different yeah you know? that took me a while to realize is that like what the steam player is looking for is really not more of the same but a little bit they they, they mm-hmm. want like more of the same but different they really do want that 10 20 different and they want to like march down those games to find something completely new someday but like steam players know what they like and they know what they want to buy you know
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. And a good example of this, like for me personally, I was um, playing a game called Doom to Hell and Doom to Hell. To give you the general pitch is imagine Hades and, you know, you, you hear Hades, you're like you're one guy, you're battling out of all these procedurally generated dungeons and you're you have random powers and you try to you're trying to work your way out of hell. That's the whole entire premise of that game. Sure, you have nuanced characters, you have gorgeous music, you have gorgeous art style, but Doom to Hell is that exact same game, the exact same storyline, except instead of like having a whole bunch of characters, you just have one character who's trying to trying to get out of hell because hell is overfull, like overfilled, and the devil has given you a pass to where like if you can make it to the the end of everything you get a one-way trip back to earth that's the mm. only real like change there but the uh, the difference of this game is like instead of it playing like hades it is a twin stick shooter mm. and and instead of you getting like these these power-ups like that are very much like Greek god power-ups where you have lightning where you have like winter abilities or whether you have like um you know Poseidon's abilities to manipulate water or anything like that you have guns you have guns and you have knives so it's almost like someone was watching someone's playing Hades went out and watched John Wick at the movies and said you know what I'm combining those two things and that's exactly what they did and I played this game for a weekend and three days so I like half a week was spent playing <laughs> this game because it was just Hades enough to feel that itch of like I want to play Hades again. I love Hades. Mm. That's comfort food for me. Mm. And, but it was just comfortable enough to where I liked, I enjoyed playing it, but it was just a little bit of a twist enough to where like, I was just like, why don't, why don't I just go play Hades at this point? And I think that's that kind of sweet spot we were talking about just now. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. That game sounds like a bullseye for you. And um, you might not remember, I don't know, like who knows anymore, but like that game might, like how, do you, if you remember how it entered your, uh uh your radar so yeah like, uh, it might have been it might have been through hades like you play a lot of hades and steam might have been like whoop hey and, and like that's how right like <clears throat> it's
0: the way they get us yeah for sure for sure and it's just it is a crazy thing because like if that game sort of found its audience and was able to like like you said kind of like pick off the little guppies like me who like found it through the discovery of like the the like the spear of of recommended games so to speak then it could feast on its own right sure it's never going to be hades sure it's never going to reach that millions and millions of dollars that hades got but if it can just get just enough to where it's like a successful profitable game to where it made the development cycle worth it then it's a success you know absolutely that makes it a good indie game yeah exactly a very good indie game (laughs) indeed A very good indie game indeed. So, like, you're creating a game right now. Like, how much of all this are you taking into account in creating Witchmore?
1: Great question. Um, this stuff has hit me really heavily with Witchmore. Um, I completely have um kind of aligned my interest in the game with what I think the market will be reacting to. So, um, an early version of the game, I was kind of using um what's called an anchor game, which is the like uh, we what we've been talking about is like. Talk about game A leads you to game B, right? So like you were saying, this game is like Hades, uh, mm-hmm. doomed to die or something. So that's the anchor game. So anchor uh, Hades would be the anchor game. I was talking about Animal Crossing just because like I was picturing a little village where there's people and like as a witch, I wanted you to be able to like um, steal from them and curse their objects and like uh, uh, curse them with black magic, basically. Like, you know, witch, you know, movie, you always hear they like steal. What is it? You have to steal something they own. And then you can use that to create like a little, uh, like a hex or something. Anyway, like yeah. witchcraft stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, I still am going to have that stuff in the game, but it, I, using Animal Crossing as the anchor game was the wrong call because Animal Crossing is all these things that Witchmore isn't going to be. It's It's got like people you can talk to with lots of dialogue and lots of characterization. And it's really mostly about customization. And it's also a very passive, nonviolent game. And that's not what I'm making. <laughs> Um, and so I was looking at my gameplay, it was more of like, there's an overworld. And yeah, there's some characters moving around and stuff. But it's more like you're just a creepy witch in the woods. And it's mostly the animals and creatures and stuff. Um, and the way I was building it out was kind of like sports story, where you were talking about where it's like mm-hmm. this overworld RP, action RPG situation. And then there's these kind of grottos you can go into. And instead of them being sports or something, the grottoes were basically roguelike dungeons something along the lines of like discount hades like the best version that i could make just by myself which would be a very (laughs) you know minimal version of that but you know roguelike combat shooting fireballs at enemies and wandering around a maze the kind of games i've made before and the combination of things happened one as i realized that was a big big game for me to make by myself i've made that kind of game before it's going to take me months and months and then two, um, the bullet hell genre was kind of becoming viable. And I think it currently is. I need to do more research, but um, there's a lot of bullet hell or bullet heaven or action casual arena games or whatever you <laughs> want to call them. I think I'm gravitating towards bullet heaven, but, you know, Vampire Survivors, brotato, 20 Minutes Till Dawn. Um, a lot of these uh, Soul Survivors, I think, is one of them. Um, basically, it's just, you know, a lot of high intensity combat in like a one room arena situation. Uh-huh. And so that's what I'm leaning into with Witchmore. And so the way I got there was market analysis, reducing my scope, but also scratching my itch. Cause that's the kind of combat I really like, you know, I didn't put myself in a place where I was like, you know, yeah, maybe I landed on golf, right? I was like, hey, golf stories, <laughs> making a bunch of money, like witchcraft golf. I don't know. Like that could be a really cool hit, a hook. So maybe yeah. I make that, but then I would have landed in a place where I'm like, oh yeah, I don't really like golf. So this is going to be hard for me to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I for put- sure. Yeah, I put it in a place where, like, I really like arena combat. I love drawing creepy monsters, and I like just fighting monsters and stuff. So, it puts me in a good place in that way. And um, I am trying to pay attention to the market and see if the game can actually be profitable. Because one of my
0: goals is to make
1: someday <laughs> make a completely <laughs> profitable game, no no strings attached.
0: You know, yeah. like you know, in in the same sense we were talking about, like you know, the the gulpy sort of leeching off of like the the. I guess you say the like the minutia that the well has like drawn up, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like if someone was to look at your game and look at the concepts of how they can twist like aspects of your game, they would be like, I can take the things that he's doing right now and then I can add like, hey, there are there's a portion of the game to where like the witch has a layer and that layer can become under attack by like the villagers that she's like cursed. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes a tower defense game. And mm-hmm. like the witch has to like set different traps and different things to, like that to where like maybe she has like a bit upgrade abilities to where she can like um, do possessions, ghouls, different types of things like that. Is mm-hmm. just a little feedback, by the way. Just a little I love but, that. Yeah,
1: that's really cool.
0: And it's something that feels like smaller scope still that still sounds witchy, you know? <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, you, you get what I mean?
1: I do. Yeah. Um, a couple of the games I'm looking at, um, not just for inspiration, but just for comparison and stuff is. Um, so Brotato, mm-hmm. and then another one is uh, Bone Razor Minions. And the reason I think about um, those games is uh, Brotato has a real similar play style and art style. And then Bone Razor Minions, the art style is almost nothing like mine. It's very uh, retro, classic arcade inspired. Um, but my gameplay is very much like I was saying earlier, you know, you get your animal friends to fight with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little RTSy, like you were saying. You know, I, what I could, though, like as, as you were talking, I got this vision for like, Uh, maybe the witch could put down little little witchy totems, like 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 you were suggesting. Oh yeah, to go along with the cats. Um, Mm -hmm. the the cats and the pets are meant to be like they come with you, like they come into the combat, but they also go home with you, right? But yeah, there could totally be a weapon where you you drop a totem in in the arena, and then it like you know it would persist. They wouldn't come home with you. (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't follow you home or something. But yeah, that's what I love about this um, uh, this kind of pivot towards the arena gameplay is there's like. The vast, like the lion's share of my ideas that I had for the roguelike stuff fits into that arena shape, but just in like Mm -hmm. a simpler form, which is fantastic. Um, Rotato is a little bit known for having that sort of um, kind of tower-based gameplay you were talking about, because uh, I haven't done this, but I've heard there's a build where as you're playing through Rotato, you get nothing, you know, but the uh, little... Uh, tower power-ups turrets mm-hmm. you put so you put these turrets down and the turrets like shoot monsters for you and like you yourself are maybe very weak but you just stay near your turrets and just kind of dodge 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 um, oh that's cool yeah it is really cool and um that's the kind of gameplay i'm hoping to get in Witchmore, where there's like different builds like maybe you can oh this time i was a fire witch and next time you're like oh, it was a very this this build was very geared towards my cats where my cats mm-hmm. got really powerful or this is a lightning build or something like that um but yeah i love that kind of thing where you know, within one genre, you play with another. Maybe there's even a golf minigame inside Witchmore.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm like, <laughs> you can take like, um, since it's a witch theme, you can take like, since you have like animals, she can have like a leech that she throws on like the bodies of like her, vic- like the victims and such like that. And they become mm. like, they become allies, like AIs that go around and, and yeah, protect her as well. I'm yeah, like, so many yeah. things you can do with this concept. It's I'm really cool. That.
1: I'm that's a that. really,
0: that's a really cool concept that you, you've come up with.
1: But I I, I'm not
0: trying to like this wasn't supposed to be like a whole like pitching seminar. I, I apologize for that. No, but, I love it. This is great. Yeah, but um, Matt, I got one last question about like Mario's questions, so to speak. Like we talked about all we kind of answered all of his questions here. But like he also wrote in and said, if you were starting from scratch and you were like trying to figure out a budget so to speak like just from you personally how would you go about it and i thought to myself i'm like i can ask matt but matt also has a personal reference that he can also you know reach (laughs) for just right there do you mean how to make a video game all by yourself out now on paperback and ebooks exactly and that's probably gonna have all the answers that mario needs right there this is great man (laughs)
1: Oh, I wish everybody, everybody uh, brought up my book as much as you do. It's fantastic. <laughs> a plus. A plus. Um, so is it how how do you come up with a budget?
0: Yeah, how do you budget and and I guess you mentioned that with your scale and such like that. Like when you were thinking about like how you have to scale up and down in games like that. But he yeah. was mentioning like, how do you come up with a like an actual budget when you're starting a project? Yeah.
1: Great question. <clears throat> so you first you got to think about um kind of the mechanics of your budget, right? Because I think with a lot of people, I I talk to a wide range of developers ranging from like, you know, I'm a hobbyist who just started and I kind (laughs) of want to make my first game, of course, all the way to like, no, I'm a AAA developer, I've been making games for 20 years and I want to make a little side project that I'm hoping will make like 50 grand or something in a year, right? So those are very uh, different budgeting requirements. You know what I mean? Um, When you look at the more of the A scale or like if you're wanting to mostly outsource your development, hire developers, hire artists, um, hire professionals to do the work, right? Um, the number changes and it needs to be looked up pretty often, but a reasonable place to start is about $10,000 per person
0: per month, okay. per
1: person per month. So if uh, you do the math, that's $120,000 per person per year. Okay, so it really adds up. And if you're talking about, you know, three people in three months, you can do the math. It's, it's quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the budgeting where you look at your own personal time, which is like when you're paying yourself, it would be great to pay yourself that much, uh, but probably you're paying yourself $0, which is what I pay myself right now. <laughs> and then you have uh, a much, um, uh, uh, you have more budget to work with. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You can suddenly be like, you know, if you're doing a full time, you've got your eight hours or whatever. If you're doing a part time, you can be like, okay, I can squeeze in Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I've got an hour Sundays. I've got five hours You know, whatever that is. You start to budget that stuff out. So, really, the way to look at it is kind of first you compile your resources. You've got, um, we all have certain resources, we all have time, we all have energy, we all have some amount of money, whether it's one dollar, a million dollars, whatever it is, right? We all have these things. So, I think a good place to start with the budget is write all that down, right? Um, then give yourself, um, we're all we're all of us constrained to space time, we all live in the universe, and we none of us have infinite time. There's no one on the planet living right now who has 500 years to live, so you got to think about. How, how long do you want it to go before you have something to show for it? And if it's your very first game, I urge you to give it a week or a month at most. Like just, just dump something out. Like like join a game jam three days, just bang something out. It's fine. Good place to start. Um, if you're wanting to amp it up more, you might want to give yourself a month. Um, my friend, uh, McFunk- McFunky McFunkyPants on, on Twitter used to run this thing, uh, <laughs> onegameamonth.com where every single month you, you crank out a game. Um, that's a really reasonable amount of time to make a little something. Um, I think three months is a pretty good amount of time to give something to really hit it hard and actually invest some money into it. Um, when looking at things to actually spend money on, the advice that I've seen is there's nothing, there's no better investment than your steam capsule.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: hire an artist. It might be five hundred dollars, it might be two thousand dollars, whatever make sense for you, whatever you can afford and whatever artist, and, you know, you got to work with the person to to get there. But we're talking about a, you know, relatively significant investment depending on your budget and stuff, but more people will see your capsule than any other part of your game. Like as you're scrolling through Steam, you just see capsule, 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 right? And if your capsule is good enough, Hey, people might click on it, right? That's the one thing I've seen where it's like, that's worth hundreds of dollars, like cash investment. Um, Second would be, trailer but fewer people see it and it's also usually more expensive uh, From my limited experience so um, budgeting is really hard I, I would for people just beginning i would start really simple and just give yourself like look i'm gonna spend an hour a day on this and try to crank something out and just just ship something just ship a little game you can send to a friend and they can jump up and down and they can <laughs> shoot a shoot a monster or or climb a fence or just do the whatever one thing you make your game about just make something real simple um, and then if you're starting to take it seriously, I, I still wouldn't spend money until you have to,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> I good. I like, have to,
1: but uh, great question. Budgeting is always really hard. Um, cause, cause the resources are just so, they're so tight. You know? Yeah. They're so tight. Nobody has infinite money. Nobody has infinite time. Even, even the, those of us who have the most of those things.
0: Yeah, so for tough. sure. For sure. Matt, before we go though, I have one question for you. What have you been playing lately?
1: What have I been playing lately? I was afraid you were going to ask me this because I've been playing very little. And I, can't uh, my <laughs> mic. Um, I have been playing um, a lot of Beat Saber, which I think is uh, uh, really fun. Um, I go through a lot of the classics, but I also buy um, some of the packs. Uh, what, what's
0: and, the songs you've been Beat Sabering to?
1: Um, there's a League of Legends song that I, I don't I'm not a League player, but it says League of I'm Legends not, yeah. right there in there. Um, uh, I can hear it in my head. I mean, some K-pop, K- no, I don't know. Anyway, um, the, the the songs the game comes with are the ones I play the most. I okay. also like uh, I like Billie Eilish, I like Lady Gaga. Um, it's pretty limited. I mean, there's not a lot of artists. <laughs> there's, there's like ten artists up there, so like it's it's pretty slim pickings. But I think it's a great game. I almost always sweat when I play it. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's something that gets my muscles moving. Um, on the VR train, uh, we're also playing Demio, which is a really cool um, board game where, like, you're in a basement with friends and you all gather around this board game and you roll the dice and you fight monsters and stuff. Um, that's really fun. I'm always playing Spelunky 2, uh, just every <laughs> now and then, because I can't put it down because it's my favorite game of all time. Um, I'm really looking forward to uh, I took some notes because I thought they like might ask something, something mm-hmm. like this. Um, I'm looking forward to the Axis Unseen. Oh, which is a really cool indie game uh, made by uh, a developer who worked on um, uh, Bethesda. They worked at Bethesda, working on I f- think Skyrim and Fallout. Okay. Um, and it speaks my language because it's like a big open world where you've got a bow and arrow and you sneak around and shoot stuff. And I'm like,
0: yeah, and, that sounds really cool. Is it 3D yeah. or 2D? 3D, first okay.
1: person shooter. Um, what I what really interests me about it is um, it has a diegetic interface which Uh means that the information about the game you would normally get in a HUD or user interface, like a hit point bar in the corner, those things are represented in the game world. And so your health... You know, in a first-person shooter, you can kind of see your hand sometimes mm-hmm. in front of you. Your health is tattooed in the back of your hand, and it's oh, that's your so cool. Changes, yeah. I love. I eat that stuff up with a spoon. Mmm, I love it. Like a in, in a Dead Space, your health mm-hmm. bar was your spinal cord. It was a third-person game where you could see the back of your character, Isaac, and your health bar would deplete as your spine. You know, your spinal cord would represent that. I love that kind of stuff. Um. So that's a game I'm looking forward to. Uh, a game that's out right now, I'm looking forward to playing. I got to play more games, man. You know what it is? I keep myself too busy. I'm always doing like marketing, podcasting content, mm-hmm. stuff like um, I'm working on which more. I, I, I promote my book constantly. Um, I got to find more time to sit down. Um, I've been wanting to play Rain World. It looks really okay. cool. I was following it a little bit when it first came out. Um, I feel like it kind of got lost in 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 the mix because of games like Hollow Knight were such big hits. But Rain World, um, is. I've watched a bunch of videos about It, it sounds like a really special game. I want to give it a shot.
0: Oh, that sounds really cool. That sounds really cool. I'll have to check out Rainbow World because I haven't checked that one out. But
1: it's uh, you are a cat slug in a brutal uh, cat simulation. Slug. Yeah, everything wants to eat you. You're at the bottom of the food chain and uh, the gameplay is um, all like the animation is procedural mm-hmm. and the creatures have really interesting artificial intelligence and uh
0: Uh, i'm sold i mean that sounds cool that sounds really cool i've never seen a cat slug but i'm down to i'm down to give it a try cat slug i'm down yeah yeah uh, is the body more slug or is the cat is it more cat
1: i i think that i would say the head and upper body is more cat and then the body is sluggy and i think they did that because like when like you'll jump like Mm -hmm. onto a rope or a platform and your your slug body kind of like oh
0: the oozes around it yeah it's
1: got some cool physics i like that um since i don't have a great answer what about you what have you been playing
0: too much um <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a better, that's a better answer than mine
0: <laughs> no 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 i haven't been playing um uh, a ridiculous amount like at pax i got to play a whole lot of cool games um i played a lot of that then um i've been playing a indie game by the name of carino origins it is a very much like a Uh, it feels like a throwback uh, SNES type of game to where like you're playing as a character who is kind of going through like a Castlevania like level it has very very similar bosses to kind of like very Castlevania-esque bosses but like it's an action platformer Um, it has I think around 10 levels or so I think I've made it through like three of them but Mm. like really fun game um i've been playing it on the switch um have a nice death is a game very much like death's door Uh, you know that looks very intriguing i'll i'll fully dive into that um i've been playing a little bit of what else have been playing sebastian put out your have have a what else you've been playing list, sebastian arcane (laughs) bell it is um a 2d skyrim so to speak and Mm. yeah i've never actually seen that concept before where uh, like i've seen a whole lot of um 2d rpgs but like this is a game almost where you can go anywhere you want do any do anything you want it's just kind of like you're trying to level up your different aspects of your character. So like if you keep using like a sword, you level up your ability as a sword. If you keep mm. using your axe, whether it be to chop down things or whether it be like on your enemies, you like get better as an axman. So it has really cool like Skyrim systems in a 2D kind of 2D kind of atmosphere. And it's it's a game that kind of sticks with me. It's like mm. it's becoming one of my comfort food games. So I'm like, yeah, I'm liking that. I'm liking that. It's the story is not gonna blow anyone away, but this it's like an action RPG hack and slash game that kind of like I keep coming back to. And then I I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but like Doom to Hell is that Hades clone that has very much like been vibing with me lately.
1: I'm gonna have to check that out. I uh oh my Steam wish list. Yeah getting out of control <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's like I'll 100 things has. on this now i'm like i'm never gonna catch up but i gotta do it
0: i bet it Please. has what's the next game you're gonna play for market research
1: Uh great question so it's probably gonna be um one of these bullet heaven games which i actually have my spreadsheet up here so um i can answer that um for research purposes it has so far been uh 20 Minutes Till Dawn, Bro Tato, uh-huh. Vampire Survivors, Bone Razor mm-hmm. Minions. I think I might need to change. Uh, play one that's new to my list. I've got a list right now. It's about 80 strong. Uh, and I bet, like, I, I made this list. This was everything I could find that was kind of within the genre, sort of, on Steam. Yeah, want it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and there was about 80 games, and that was in November. can't believe it's been that long. I, I seriously thought it was, like, a month ago I made this. Thing. <laughs> but it's like, uh, so that was... What, four months oh come on it was four months ago so the data is way out i gotta refresh the data there's probably like, what'll be interesting to see is how many more than 80 are there now i think mm-hmm. there's probably hundreds and by the time my like my game won't launch for another six months man like i'm i'm a little <laughs> worried that the research i do now will be like hideously outdated um but i think i'm gonna play something like tiny rogues perhaps that sounds fun Runic Survivor, maybe I'd need to play Soul Survivors because, or sorry, Soul Stone Survivors. Okay. Okay. I didn't know hmm. there's two. Oh, really? Other two? I even found one. I'm not going to play these, but, but, uh, Zombie Survivors. There's two games on Steam called Zombie Survivors. I'm like, of course there are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got a lot of research to do. That's always fun. That's always fun. Stressful, but fun. <laughs> Stressful but fun yeah it'll be uh it'll
1: be very sobering to see what the game is going to cost to make versus like like, oh is it gonna like I don't have that market reason my my next game I'm not going to commit as fully to it until Mm -hmm. I know that the market has been proven and then I will you know develop it
0: I like that I like that (laughs) so Matt before we go I got one last question for you and that is what like movie or tv show recommendation are you going to give to the audience today
1: My wife and I really like watching reality competition TV shows because we really just like to people, we like to watch people do things really well, especially when they're creative. Mm -hmm. Like we watch cooking shows and fashion shows and stuff. And uh, we just finished a show called uh, Glow Up, which is a makeup competition show. Um, It's so outside of the normal wheelhouse of things I would um, usually watch on my own. But that's one of the things I love about hanging out with my wife is she introduces me to cool things and it's so creative and the judges are, they have so much charisma they say things like, um, oh, I forget her name. I'm sorry. But uh, uh, one of the judges, whenever she sees a makeup job that she likes, mm-hmm. like a makeup competition, she'll go, ding dong. That's a ding dong, darling. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny, man. It's so funny.
0: Matt, you know, like I, I'm, I'm not going to ask for a whole lot of of monetary like value, but I have an idea for a okay. game. And we are mentioning simple things. How many reality TV show based games are there?
1: Oh, right wow. Now? Yeah. I bet I was, there's uh, like you
0: like a makeup like or cooking competition kind of game. It's like great that. idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I bet cooking is the closest you could get because there. I do. I would say there's a fair amount of games that are about cooking. Like oh, for sure. Delicious. Like overcooked
0: and stuff like that. Overcooked. But yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. And they even like um they, they cross genres. They're, like overcooked mm-hmm. is kind of more of an action. It was almost like an action RPG. You're running around. Yeah. Got, like timing based. Whereas some games are more like first person perspective. You're in the kitchen. You might not even see your hands. You just see like magic. knife icons appear or something Um, that could be a vr game could totally be a vr game yeah I'm a big fan of uh, of competition uh, shows like that and uh, mm-hmm. my wife and I kind of dissect the game design like we, we'll tell you we'll talk your ear off about like which game shows are really well designed and mm-hmm. which ones were like that's a terrible game design like that show should not exist. you know what I mean Yeah uh, but lots of that's a good point yeah, lots of rooms for shows like that. How much would a twitch streamer love that right a show that oh, can sure. play like competition show that can play with their with their uh viewers or something
0: audience members where the audience members can be the judge oh we got a hit. Yeah. We got yeah, a hit. Yeah. Imagine we, overcooked, but like you're going around cooking a dish and such like that. And then you have to like present that dish instead of like presenting it to like the the customer, so to speak, you present it to like a stage, and that stage has like three to five like judges on there. Yeah. And then they judge it based on how fast you were able to cook it, how good the dish is. I think we got something here. We got okay. Any publishers listening? Where's the money? Bring in the money. Yeah, exactly. Write us, write
1: us a check and we're gonna make this game.
0: I'm telling you, I'm telling you. <laughs> Oh, man, like and the cool thing is you can make like all sorts of wacky like judges and in, in different like criterias and such like that. That'd be really cool. It'd be a cool mm. concept.
1: That would be a cool concept. Yeah. yeah. A judge who's like allergic to something. Exactly. You know, this you needs kinda... to be a vegan meal or like no mm-hmm. tree nuts or like, you know, gluten free friendly or
0: yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you can kind of like pause in, and go through your cookbook and such like that and see what recipes you've collected and such like that and unlocked. I can picture this game in my mind. is is your gut telling you this is a a good game for you after which more the gut gut likes it yeah i haven't done the market research yet i'll have to dig into that let me know when you do i I, i'm interested i'm intrigued i'll (laughs) I'll let you know (laughs) for sure for sure but matt man thank you so much for being on the show again it's been fun absolutely fun yeah
1: thanks a lot for having me
0: but all right so matt I have had a lot of fun. You know, we've had a lot of good laughs. Unfortunately, we've given away too many good ideas, you know, that we probably should have kept to ourselves (laughs) at this point. But before we go, where can the good people find you?
1: You can find me at veladria.com. V-A-L-A-D-R-I-A.com. Everything's there. My podcast, Make the Game. My YouTube channel. uh, My book is listed there. How to make a video game all by yourself. 10 bucks, an ebook. 15 Mm -hmm. bucks, paperback. And is there one more thing? Oh, my yeah, game. There is. Yeah, which where do we that? Go to Steam, baby. Uh-huh. Is a link from com. but also go to Steam, search for which more. It's one word, which and more, the opposite of less. Uh-huh. Search for which more. Give me a which list. I would appreciate it. Hit that green button, and that way you'll get an email when it comes out. I'm going to launch it on discount as well. I've already decided. So uh-huh. if you want an email in the future about a discounted cool game from me, <laughs> go which, which list which more. Yeah, that's my pitch, man.
0: I really, I really appreciate it. And one last time, you know, for people who have questions about how to create a video games, what kind of reference should they check out? Well, that would be how to make a video game all by yourself. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Everyone, all the links will be in the description below um, for the video game and for how to make a video game by yourself. The amazing book. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, Saranar, peace out, man. So that's a wrap for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to Matt Hackett for being on the show today. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers.